Welcome to House of Data, a show exploring how data is influencing decisions at the most ambitious companies in housing. I'm your host, Alex Bridgman. Together, we will dive into how housing market participants are ingesting, organizing, and making decisions using data and the competitive advantages that follow. I am the Director of Data Strategy at Altos Research, owned by HW Media, and we supply some of the most dynamic companies in housing with unique intelligence across every housing market nationwide. You can learn more about Altus Research and this podcast by going to altusresearch.com or by sending me an email at alex at hwmedia.com. My guest on this episode is John Wilson, Director of Insights and Analytics at Brookdale. Brookdale is the largest senior living operator in the country, and John leads their internal data team to identify insights that move the business forward. We talk about what he's learned structuring teams, the impact of reverse Conway's law, team topology, and building a team around your data structure. Please enjoy this episode with John Wilson. John, it's really good to see you and have you on the podcast to talk all about data at Brookdale and inverse Conway's law, which I'd never heard of before. So I'm excited <laughs> to dive into lots and lots of different things, but um, would first love to hear about your role at Brookdale, what that looks like, and then maybe some previous roles you've had. Sure. Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, so my name's John Wilson. I'm director for insights and analytics at Brookdale Senior Living. That's the country's largest uh, provider of senior housing uh, for assisted living, memory care, independent living, and so on. I lead a team of five uh, within FPNA to develop dashboards, sort of analytical solutions to business problems, ranging from more on the operator side, from uh, uh, pricing, clinical, uh, sales and marketing initiatives, it runs the gamut. Um, and all from like the perspective that we are not just a, uh, uh, an operator, but also uh, the property. We own the properties as well. So it's a, uh, it's a really exciting company. It's really an honor to be able to serve uh, our residents and associates every day. Uh, and at the same time, do what we love, you know, solving puzzles with data. Before... This role, I had a similar kind of function with uh, the government contractor behind the TSA PreCheck program, a company called Idemia. So I built out their reporting system for the 1,200 retail locations where you get your fingerprints or background checks. Um, but I first caught the bug for analytics uh, at a tech startup for live event tickets called ScoreBig in in, uh, in Hollywood, where I in LA, where I went to college. And, and that's, that's where I um, fell in love with this line of work and ultimately wanted to advance my career. So I got my uh, MBA in Nashville at, at Vanderbilt and moved on uh, from there. The rest, is, the rest is history. The pre-check program, can you talk more about that? Um, I personally think the $85 I paid for pre-check a couple of years ago is one of the best and highest return on investments I've ever had. So I'm I'm curious about anything and any of the work oh, you did there. Steal. Yeah, it's a great deal. It's a steal, yeah. Uh, and and really hats off to all of the um, people that work in that industry uh, still. It, it when I was there, we there was a it was kind of peak enrollments uh, in around the 2017 time frame. There was a huge 16, 17, there was a huge spike in um, demand. And so I, I, 
worked with my partners uh, in on the IT side or or in more of the retail management side to make sure that everyone, you know, all, all the, the teams had the data to make the right decisions from a P&L perspective, from staffing. Uh, and I even helped build some of the pricing uh, models for our uh, request for proposal back to the Department of Homeland Security that we ultimately won. You know, the company still, still runs the, the program. Uh, so it was really a special time to be there. And yeah, I can't agree with you more. It's a great deal. Pre-check is, is uh, just one of the hidden gems of travel. Yeah, it is. I remember um, maybe this was early on, but when I was a kid, we would get uh, pre-check kind of randomly. Like maybe my, my mom would get pre-check and I wouldn't, or my brother would get it. And it, it seemed like a random thing, almost as if they were testing it. Um, and then eventually that just stopped happening. And so I grew up thinking that pre-check only happened to you randomly. And you were kind of like the lo- the lucky chosen one if you got it. And I didn't realize you could pay for it until a couple of years ago. And then I immediately go- went and did that. But is that true? Is, were they just like randomly selecting people to test it and then launch the paid program? Like, how did that work? Yeah. You know, we operate the, 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 the locations where you get fingerprints and background checks to enroll for the program. But in terms of, you know, what the Department of Homeland Security does with the TSA, I, I believe there was some kind of a, a low level, like security check that didn't require the background check that an application provides that, you know, just to save the, the, uh, the TSA workers time and the, at the security checkpoint. So, there was, there was, we heard a lot about these kinds of random tests, but, um, from the perspective of the contractor, there was no science or, or kind of data to back that up. It was just uh, something that the, the government did to, I think, to, to drive demand. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so within Brookdale, what kind of data are you using and what types of things is your data team generally asked to perform and go do? We, uh, so like I mentioned earlier, we, um, we're kind of the center of, we, we share sort of, uh, the center of excellence kind of community of practice around analytics. Um, there is a, a Tableau group that's dedicated to building these kind of enterprise wide dashboards. But my team is a little bit more focused on sort of the, the more targeted, um, rapid insights that sometimes will involve developing Tableau dashboards, but also, you know, scripts in Python and R to, um, you know, blend disparate data sets. Um, for example, to score uh, leads for, based on uh, different attributes of a, of, a, of a form fill on our website. Um, that's just one example to, to help, to help uh, communities and salespeople uh, make better decisions about which leads to approach first or which ones are more likely to move in. Um, there's uh, a, a bulk of our work has to do with uh, pricing and making sure that we have kind of targeted 
discounting where necessary or that market, uh, what we call street rates, uh, what that's what the industry refers to as um, sort of the, the, the common rate uh, for a unit in a market. Um, we, we own the pipeline that the sales and marketing teams use to uh, quote those rates to prospects. Um, and, and so there's a lot of kind of ad hoc analysis that just comes from owning that data set. Um, and, and of course, uh, once a resident moves in, we want to make sure that they have the best experience possible. So NPS, um, different clinical attributes, uh, length of stay and, uh, and, uh, reason for move outs are, are another sort of key area that we focus on to drive occupancy once once a resident once a resident moves in we want to keep them healthy and happy for as long as we can and then we also do uh, uh, some sort of uh, support analysis for HR analytics so some some reporting on um, the people analytics area because Brookdale is a, ultimately it's a hospitality business with a strong healthcare component. Uh, we are a people business. We need to make sure that our associates are, um, you know, as, as treated as fairly and, and, and they are as happy as, as they can be with their work environment, with the experience of, from, recruiting with the company to staying in their, in their role to, you know, training and developing beyond that. So there's a lot of other kind of analysis we do just on the labor and workforce analytics side. So like I said, kind of runs the gamut. Yeah, certainly all over the place um, or, or lots of different things. You've talked before about the importance of, of structuring teams and that the right structure can enable your team to move faster and be more agile can you talk a little bit about that? How have you structured your team to move quickly, especially given that it's a, it's a rapid, it sounds like it's a rapid response data team in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Thank you. So I, I, there's a lot of great research on the, the subject, uh, but it, it is primarily focused on sort of how to build it teams that have a focus on data. Whereas we and many other you know, data functions across the, this whole crazy uh, sector. It, they're on the business side. It, like I said, we're we're part of financial planning and analysis. So we don't always follow the same kind of rules and guidelines that IT has in place. So that that gives us a lot of some flexibility, but also more responsibility to deliver you know, the highest quality data solutions that we can. Um, and that, and that means that we need specialists in certain functional areas that know either one domain or tool. Um, but we also need them to be well-versed enough in the whole stack that, that they can own a solution end to end. So, 
for example, Michael Williams, an author, has a book about building data teams that uh, uh, he he writes in depth about the different types of analytics um, team structures, like uh, factory style uh, organization, uh, a a more um, artisan uh, like artisanal uh, approach where everything is custom. And then sort of a hybrid model uh, where you own these kind of solutions end to end. Um, the factory style model, that's more uh, the the way that our Tableau team is structured, where, you know, we get requests we to change or add different features to a dashboard. And we rank, you know, rank those requests by difficulty or importance and 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 knock them knock them down deliver on those requests for for the users but the more artisanal is sort of these custom questions that you know might might require pulling something from snowflake pulling something from an application that doesn't have uh an uh, uh you know similar any data set in any of the other sources that we regularly use. So helping build those ETLs out, um, it, it, sort of a snowflake kind of, uh, I, I mean, snowflake, the database, but also snowflake in terms of that, you know, how each request is kind of unique. <laughs> and, and those are, those are interesting and challenging and complex, but, hard to uh, systematize. So that usually involves a lot of exploratory analysis in R or Python. And, and uh, But our team is a little bit of both. So we will help build those kinds of uh, pipelines, but we also have these systematic ways of doing things. So. And, and, and each of our team members know enough about say Tableau or SQL or, um, R Python to deliver a holistic solution to a question, say, um, one market is, um, facing competition from, um, from another assisted living, um, provider in the market. Do we do we do change our pricing approach? Do we change our? Is there something related to labor that's affected? Is there um, something we can improve on the resident experience side with a new program? Or is uh, there a clinical initiative that we can help use to keep or generate new uh, residents? And those are the kinds of complex questions that we can take existing data sources and help build new ones with the way that the team's structured. I don't know if that answered your question, but um, the the idea is, you know, we have domain experts in healthcare uh, for kind of the operating side of the business. There are more kind of real estate oriented or pricing um, experts that know those um, aspects of the industry a little bit better. 
but everyone has sort of this T-shaped skill set. So they can still take a project from soup to nuts without um, needing to work too much with all with other teams or, you know, building out these uber formalized kind of uh, solutions. They're, they're somewhat custom to the request, but could be automated more like the factory style that I, that I mentioned. So the, the factory style, it sounds like that's almost a, almost building a product. Like there's a, there's an asset you're assembling in that dashboard or that, that data set view where you're pulling lots of data into one place and then refining it over time as folks have new requests. Um, it sounds like you're building a product versus the artisanal is more consultative and case by case. And you're kind of building from scratch each time. Um, it sounds like it has a lot of pros and cons, but, um, it also sounds like it's important to have the skill set to do both. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah. That's a much more succinct way of saying it. Uh, thank you. Um, the the nature of the uh, the industry, you know, it's a it's a real estate business, uh, it's a hospitality business, it's healthcare, and when you're when you're an operator and a property owner like we are, it adds this level of complexity. So you need this kind of sort of center of excellence approach for the operator side, where we can answer these kinds of questions, but we also have these satellite teams in say asset management or underwriting that are their own functional areas. And, and we consult with them. We provide them some tooling to help them uh, provide their own solutions to their own um, verticals. But we are sort of the 80-20 rule. You know, we, we'll handle most of the questions for the operator side that come through finance and require a, a heavy data component. So then uh, one thing we also talked about a lot was um, the Conway's Law and then the inverse Conway's Law. Can you first explain what Conway's Law is and what that means? That is a great question. Uh, so... There's some great literature, again, on, on this subject. Uh, Team Topologies is a, is a good book. And the authors just came out with a uh, new one about uh, remote team um, topologies. Uh, so as I understand it, you know, it's all about building teams according to the requirements of a system. And there's... Um, you know, there's a habit in some IT areas to to you know cater to the to the desires of the developer to just work with the new and shiny objects, and uh, they build out solutions how they wish, uh, you know, based on what they want to, which tools they want to work with. But when you are a part of a forty-year-old company like Brookdale there's a lot of legacy systems that require you know care and management you know a custodial approach to um to to 
to, to sort of product or application management. Uh, and, and so we have made it an effort. I'll say, you know, it's not always a reality, but we try to structure our teams based on those needs. Um, and, and so Conway's law is sort of just all about how a team, you build a team and then you build the systems. But inverting Conway's law is building the systems with the people. Like you, you are inverting the normal people first, you know, developer first kind of mindset to uh, supporting the applications rather than just supporting whatever uh, shiny object comes along. Uh, I don't know if that's the best definition. I would uh, defer to uh, the literature, but the way we interpret it is just just uh, being a good custodian of the history and legacy systems while continuing to uh, implement change and improve the 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 back end uh, of our uh, data flows so that the people on the front lines actually have uh, you know an easier time to get faster data you know faster insights so how can we put the let's put the conway's law into into brookdale's context where where are you seeing conway's law have an effect on your own team the concept that I, I always uh, try to keep in mind is like, if you can't help a, if you can't help a resident, help someone who does. And so I'll, I'll get to get to the answer to your question in a minute, but it's, it's about the user experience for some of these applications for managing care or for um, managing the rents that our residents pay or different HR applications, what have you, that that are some of which are custom built, but also require a lot of kind of creativity and and uh, you know outside of the box thinking. Like it's not just a normal CRM; it is designed for senior housing and and all the complexities thereof with the real estate and hospitality and and healthcare component um, that I've been, talked about. So we can't just build the, we can't just organize teams around the traditional functional areas like say product management um, when we need to care for the, the maintenance of these older systems and continue to iterate and uh, you know, move the business forward. Um, so by organizing the, the kind of subgroups around these applications, we can minimize the interaction among different teams. And, uh, and that's ultimately kind of the, with the uh, indicators of success with implementing Conway's laws. When you have a lot of cross-team communication, 
you, you know, usually you might think, oh, that's, you know, that's great. Everybody's working together, but no, that actually means like there are these interconnected systems that require a lot of collaboration across groups when if they were better integrated, then you might have more, you know, alignment between people that say, you know, one owns the front end, one owns the back end, and you know uh, how they come together uh, within the same group, not just not just uh, the traditional, you know, uh, verticals that you see normal to that are common to to IT. So again, implementing these kind of end-to-end solutions is uh, how we solve those problems to ultimately get those people that serve our residents the data that they need as quickly and effectively as they can. You mentioned earlier that you'll take in all of these different requests for new features or new data sets or new visuals. Um, how do you prioritize and rank requests and then deliver that that ranking or have that rank use that ranking for kind of a, a product roadmap of sorts for your data team? That's that is a great question. And as a finance team, that's a unique challenge because we're not uh, you know we we sort of pretend to be IT in a way where we're actually not as technical as obviously the 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 as the experts are uh, but we are responsible for these analytical solutions so that means we need to to borrow elements of what IT does for example like just a, an agile approach, logging our tasks in Jira, documenting in Confluence, um, and and say like uh, using our knowledge of the of the what we call a, a one list, you know, an item of key organizational priorities from a technology perspective uh, to inform how feasible, how quickly, how um, important different requests from the business side are so you know obviously we we have data from uh, multiple different vendors for for example like um, or healthcare related uh, data f- that's traditionally belonged to sort of our assisted living or memory care or skilled nursing business lines um, but we've also, you know, got this um, uh, data that comes from you know sales and marketing, uh, and like I mentioned, the the lead score model, and integrating those two things is 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 sort of an existential challenge that you know we routinely you know come across problems that could be solved if if the sales and marketing side were built to connect to these traditional healthcare side so we have these tick these tickets these elements of uh of stories and uh tasks uh every month or every few months 
that come along that start to chip away at, at that problem that um, you know maybe you add another data source to uh, to a table to a crosswalk table between these different systems or some other kind of change management initiative that would help um, help integrate them and so it, adding little tickets to the to our routine workflows little tasks to our routine uh, processes every month or two uh, is extremely important but it doesn't those don't always answer some of the more urgent important questions of the day uh, so those you know we handle uh, appropriately to you know the desires of the business we're a publicly traded company so you know right now quarter end anything related to investor relations or the board is extremely uh, critical. Um, but other sort of um, ad hoc questions that may come out of out of those calls or in advance of those calls or meetings that those get top priority. But we also don't want to lose track of these sort of smaller tasks that help make those incremental improvements on these legacy systems that I've, I've, I've talked about. So, you know, it's, it's ultimately, it's a point based system, but there's a lot of judgment involved. Um, and, and in, in finance, it's, you know, sometimes there's uh, you know, key, there's obviously key drivers, like how different requests benefit NOI, rev par, occupancy, you know, sort of the key metrics of uh, real estate uh, business. How that's, those are the tiebreakers. How that's how we make those final calls about how to uh, prioritize our projects. I like the, the use of uh, tiebreakers as a concept that, that fits really well. Um, John, thank you so much for coming on House of Data. I really appreciate you sharing your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to House of Data. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review and introducing the show to a friend in data to help more folks discover the podcast. For more information about Altus Research and the podcast, check us out at altusresearch.com or send me an email at alex at hwmedia.com. At